to do this. <laughs> Welcome back to 1010's Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Vero, and across from me is my co-host, Adam Nielsen. And on Zoom, we have Dusty Nixon, because he did things, and we're going to talk about it. And the internet finally works again. And the internet finally works. Two weeks in a row, we had no internet. Two attempts in a row, Robbie, had no interwebs. Last, last week, it was down for the... Literally the three-hour window that we had to do a podcast. I drove by them fixing it on my way home. Yep, so we knew it would... I'm like 99% sure that a truck snagged it on the way out of that parking... Or the construction area for that giant warehouse they're building right off your exit. That sounds right. Because there was a CenturyLink bucket truck and a CenturyLink fiber splicer parked at the construction entrance. That would be it. So somebody snagged a line driving in or out of there. Yep, so it was down right before Adam got here Mm. and then got working again as soon as you got home basically yeah, like within a minute of me driving yep. up my driveway internet's up oh good i'm home literally Top how that text went <laughs> <laughs> and then last last night you showed up uh just as centrelink had what i was read as a global blackout like, yeah their internet stopped for everybody yeah because i that's thought it was- the power that's the power of this podcast yeah. it can bring the entire <laughs> internet down just as long as it's the one that i use yes <laughs> I really want to know what happened. I do too. Like I, somebody I have got fired. Morbid fascination into knowing, to knowing what. How could you possibly shut down that an many? entire system like that? Yep. Because like I, I looked at the little map. Because like my, obviously it shows like Des Moines. My assumption is that they got hacked. That, that make, well, their website was fucked too. Because like if I would, right, go, you said you didn't even show up as a customer. So Your like account you, didn't exist. Yeah. So if you you can go on centrally.com and you search outages or whatever, yeah, and you can, can put in your address, outage. and then so you just type in your address, and at first it says, um, oh, what did it say? It said that there's no account associated with that uh, that address, which everyone reported seeing that, and then <laughs> then the few people that got on to their customer service lines, which had hundreds of people in queue, which I, right. I wouldn't even bother calling. Right. But some people were dead set on it. So they sat on the phone for like 90 minutes and then either got bounced back and forth or hung up on or whatever. And then if you fit, did finally get to talk to somebody, they would say, according to our system, there's no outage in your area. But like literally everyone was out. All of Des Moines, every major city around Des Moines. Um, and then if you look at the little map on not CenturyLink's website, um, one of the outage uh, tracker websites. It was like the United States. And then you had like these gigantic globs of red in like Los Angeles, Des Moines, um, uh, New Orleans. I think there's a bunch of Texas. And like just the whole country was just like a bunch of little red dots. CenturyLink is of, not a small Of CenturyLink just being out. Yeah. So we did that trying to do a podcast. Welcome. <laughs> I bet it was just like a, a janitor like unplugged a server rack somewhere to plug in a vacuum cleaner. I promise you that there is no system on their network that is that integrate or that important that isn't redundant. I would hope not. But yeah, I was. It, I mean, you you say that? No, I promise you. <laughs> there, there's there's one plugin that has a sticky note above it that says never never unplug. <laughs> That's the one. I've seen those sticky notes, but I <laughs> promise you that there's no system that is that important that is not redundant. But yeah, I'm, basically, as soon as the website wasn't working and it would sh- like claims that no one had an account, you knew something bigger was happening. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was actually up this morning. I I assumed that we were out for days like there was like a ransomware thing that that's kind of what i'm wondering is if they got hacked that centrelink had to pay 40 million dollars to some F- hackers fucking russia man probably it's probably russia yeah 
usually Russia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But or North Korea. Yeah, or whoever. Or is it? Yeah, it's North Korea. Yeah, not South Korea. It's definitely North Korea. <laughs> it rhymes with gonorrhea. <laughs> it's one of the Koreas. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, South Korea kind of rhymes with gonorrhea. Uh, it does. So it that does. doesn't. It, that's it not does. really a defining <laughs> feature. Oh shit! You're trying to get the YouTube comments on this just yeah. fired up right <laughs> away. Just let, just let them have it. <laughs> Dead Dad's podcast is racist. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time they've claimed that. Fucking Robbie. It was, it was vinyl from China, and I referred to it as Chinese. I don't know what to tell you. I'll still never forget the kid Jim. who got mad because we named a podcast um, Mandela Effect. Mandela, Mandela Effect. effect. He's yeah. like, well, this is this whole thing, and they talk about the Mandela Effect for like the last five minutes. Like, you listen to a two hour podcast? <laughs> I, see, I see this is your first podcast. <laughs> it was amazing. Bro. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah, that still has a huge spike in views compared to everything else around it, which makes me laugh. Yeah, because there was a bunch of people that were in, like all in on conspiracy the theories. The algorithm and just, is just, powerful. Yeah, just listen to it. It's so funny. Yeah. So the title of this one needs to involve jet fuel and steel beams. Just, we need to work that in somewhere. <laughs> mm, smart, smart. <laughs> Jeez. Just call it an inside job. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> so, Dusty, what'd you do? <laughs> I did uh, something that you did a couple months ago. I yeah, but you to, did it better. I went to an NHRA drag race. Yeah, at the Texas Motorplex as a media member. Yes, yeah, so you're welcome. Like two weeks out from it, I decided, hey, I'll throw out an application and see what so what happens crazy. with it. And uh, they replied back quick and asked, you know, what's your plan for this? I said. Take a few pictures, talk about it on a podcast that's primarily geared toward people that follow grid life and club racing and stuff like that and tell them all about the world of NHRA drag racing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they didn't question it. They were like, yeah. She was like, she was like, yeah, sounds good. And whenever I got there, she asked, like, are you planning on doing any interviews or anything like that? And I was like, that's a weird question. Oh, this is a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Audio medium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm mostly just taking pictures. <laughs> um, yeah. We don't, we don't do, po- we don't do interviews at the track. That's not how this works. That's so funny. Do you send that from your own email address? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you had access to our email. Too. I think he'd probably I listed, does. Yeah. yeah. I listed I listed Robert Vierhout as the editor and, uh, Oh, perfect. Smart. Yeah. So every, every one of these I've done, they have very like intimidating sounding, you know, like you need to be a nationally publicized and, you know, the I mean, on assignment from fair, this or that. To internationally or, publicized. We are. Well, yeah. So. Uh, we have the international voice of time attack song. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I'm a professional uh, photographer that has been published in it's magazines. True. You've been I, published I'm a print, magazines. I'm a print publisher. Yeah. Yep. Boom. Big time. You've been paid. You're a professional. I was paid and it was printed nationally. That makes Maybe even internationally. That's no. like that's the difference between professional amateurs getting paid. Yep. I think it's supposed to technically be most of your income, but we we, it, we won't like, like semantics. You know. semantics. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we and also we here at Ten Tens Podcast never let facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's fine. So, so you, you, you said that like, just cause I'm curious about this, they were like, were there a bunch of other photographers? 
Yeah. Or was it, was it probably, just? It was probably like 12 to 15 people total between like. So NHRA has their own magazine called National Dragster. So there was like three, at least three guys from that. Okay. Um, there's a couple, there's several guys that I think shoot four teams and they sell photos. And then got like, like the there was a guy who just from like the local the newspaper NHRA. there and some other stuff. So it's kind of a, kind of a range of, you know, different, different background guys. Um, so they all like walking around with three camera bodies and, and a bag of lenses and all that jazz. So, so it's funny because I, I, I'm, I'm ingrained to road course. So there, you know, it's a two mile track with 15 corners or whatever. And there's right. all these different places you can go on a drag strip. It's 1320 feet long or a thousand feet long for the nitro cars. Yeah. Uh, you can be on the wall out to 280 feet on the left lane or the right lane. And, and then it. like the, the national dragster guys can get like inside the wall around the burnout box and stuff like that. But I had to, I had to be outside the walls. So I'm like, Whoa, I, I what do I do? Like, I only have this <laughs> angle. Yeah. You get and to go so, right next to them or a few hundred feet in front of them. Yeah. And just walk yeah. back and forth. Yeah. So it was kind of a, like I spent, cause I, I got done there first thing Friday and shot sportsman sessions starting out and it was kind of a, a reprogramming thing. So most of the guys, uh, shot with two bodies and you would have like a, a, like a long zoom lens that you get further down and, and get down right at the top of the wall and shoot back toward the car. So you're down low relative to them. Right. And then you keep a, keep a wide angle on to do, like a lot of guys would run back and forth. Like they would get the car in the burnout with the wide angle and then run back down for the, for the, the actual race with the zoom lens. So I only have, well, I had two bodies with me, but one of them I had already, one of them was new to me and one of them I had already agreed to sell to somebody. So <laughs> my, it was a last ditch effort. If like something bad happened with the new one, I brought the old one just in case, but I know, uh, I haven't broken any equipment on one of these things, but I know if I have one sold, that money will already be in my pocket and I will break it. So, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, I primarily shot with a 100 to 400 from like 150 feet out, something like that. And yeah. So, because I assume these, I mean, I guess they're not, not all of them are going a whole lot faster than what you're used to shooting at a road course, but like, is it, did you get a couple, you know, your first couple shots where you're like, there's no car in this picture because I suck at this? Or like, is that, is there a lot of reprogramming involved in your head with that? Uh, it was, so I do a lot of, on a road course, you do a lot of like slow shutter speed pans, you know, right. to get a lot of blur behind them and stuff like that because you're dealing with cars that are running you know, anywhere from 50 to 60 up to a hundred and something miles per hour. Right. Um, like the nitro cars are doing a hundred miles per hour in 60 feet. Yeah. 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 By the time they pass you 280 feet out, they're already doing like 240 miles an hour. Something, uh, something yeah. I mean, it's not that crazy. But it might be it's, pretty close. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so, and I, I didn't get past like 150 feet. I, I told myself, okay, I don't want to be right. So I've, I've watched 
drag racing my entire life. You've seen enough know, cars hit a wall a few hundred I know, feet down the road. Yeah. So I know where the bad things happen with a top fuel car. Yep. It can, it can go bad right at the hit, yep. which it did on Saturday with one yep. car. It can go bad a couple hundred feet out if it gets sideways and goes over and smacks the wall, something like that. Right. Generally, that area like 60 to 150 feet out is kind of like relatively safe. <laughs> it's um, as safe as you're going to get when you're that close to the racetrack. Yeah. 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 Two, you know, two 11,000 horsepower bombs. <laughs> Literally. To, Literally yeah. bombs. Yeah. And they're, they're programmed to, for the fuse to last 3.6 seconds. That's, that's how long the fuse lasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's insane, Robbie. Oh, I, I'm, it's, I, I don't understand it. I don't so yeah, understand the, where the money comes from. Cause this, this is a setup where basically you do your three second pass. You go back to the pits, you pull the, engine apart you put all lucky, everything in if you're lucky there might be a few pieces that you don't have to replace but you probably do because yeah is are these not the ones that by the time they get to the end of the drag strip a lot of times the spark plugs are basically, they're essentially running on compression and, and yes well yeah they're running on like the heat of the glowing uh exhaust <laughs> yeah valve yeah yeah wow and so like best like best case scenario, so they 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 make their pass, best case scenario, they come back, they tear it all the way down to the block, and they don't like the the block and the rotating assembly stay in there. But everything everything comes apart. Best the case, case assembly. Best case yeah. scenario, the block the short block stays. Yep. The long block has to be replaced. Yeah, so round. so blower heads are coming off, they're checking everything over on the heads. Yep. Um I watched one of Mike Finnegan's videos recently. They he's he runs a, a supercharged Hemi in his fifty five Chevy. Mm-hmm. They went to a shop for a guy that does a lot of like block repair work for uh the top fuel teams. And they were talking about it's like over the course of a couple of runs, these cars make so much force. They use these gigantic aluminum connecting rods in them. I have they one. Sh- yeah. I have one that's signed by Dell Warsham. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. got it as like a, as like a, you know, they were, when we went to one of those nationals events with the juniors, they would have one round where like all the winners got a prize or whatever. Yeah. And that's what I got was a, was an aluminum connecting rod out of, I'll see if, I think my dad has it still. So I'll see if I can get him to take a picture of it for me. But, uh, and I'll, post it on the group or something but um yeah it, it's it's huge <laughs> yeah and like they're they're made out of aluminum to absorb the shock because of the cylinder pressures and the and the 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 forces of the actual combustion are so insane and he they're, was talking made, about they're how they're made like, out of a over, malleable metal on purpose right so that they yeah. flex because if they were solid they would shatter yes yeah. <laughs> It's like that that guy was talking about how like one they use different rod lengths to tune compression per cylinder in these things and then also those rods get shorter every run because there's so much force on the top that the that the rod shrinks in mushrooms. Oh my god. Bigger. Yeah. So uh standing right next to it 
and I, I talked to a guy that there was a guy that was up from New Orleans that I gathered had been shooting stuff for quite a while. Right. And I told him like before the first, so like we're running through sportsmen. It was like, so like, I think the first thing that was on track when I got there was top sportsman, which is like six second, like low six second, like pro mods, big cubic inch nitrous cars, stuff right. like that. But so, like not, they're f- super fast. Don't get me wrong, but they're not something you couldn't necessarily see at least one or two of at any given bracket night at your local drag strip. If you live yeah, in a yeah. major so to, metropolitan like area. The, the typical night at a at a bracket race down here, you would see two or three of these cars like right. this. So it wasn't it wasn't it's not going to be like, like a big that. huge class of them, but there will definitely be one or two of them at most any uh, bigger nightly race. Yeah, yeah. So we're t- we're talking like like the the newer Camaro style body, like pro pro stock style body. That's all swoopy and sucked down in the front, and the windshield laid way back and stuff like that with like a six to 700 cubic inch engine in it with either nitrous or turbos or something like that. Yeah. Um, so those run through like uh, a comp eliminator, another sportsman class that has a lot of cars like that, but then has a lot of really cool, like older uh, looking stuff like the altered dragster type thing. Yeah. So comp has a little bit of everything. There'll be dragsters. There'll be altered roadsters. There'll be door slammers. Uh, so one of my dad's customers has a, uh, I think it's a cobalt that I think is like a stock body cobalt, uh, tube chassis car with a 310 cubic inch small block in it that turns like 10,000 RPM and runs sevens. Oh my God. <laughs> that's with crazy. 310 cubic inches. Like, like that's the cool, like that's one of the really cool things is these different sportsman classes that reward small cubic inches and you just build something and spin the living crap out of it and then yeah. gear the car to the moon, put a five speed in it. And like, so like, so you, you talked on the episode whenever you went to Heartland about yeah. the index racing and then all the different types of sportsman racing. So right. comp is super weird in that every like combination class has an index and your goal is to run like as far under that index as you can. I think it's like seven tenths under, but if you run more than seven tenths under, you bust the index and they'll take time off of it for the entire class, like nationally. Oh, that's so they've changed. That's, that's okay. That's a lot more involved than I thought. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's super, it's super weird. It's kind of like, it's kind of cool if you get into it and see like what these guys are doing to run those times. And I don't care what you say. Stutterbox racing sucks. (laughs) Well, that's what's cool about comp. Like comp is just flat out, and yeah, you're trying to run like comp was like, comp was good. I'm fine with comp. Yeah. Stutterbox yeah. racing sucks. I'll say it yeah. to anybody. I don't care. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like in in comp, there was the other one that's really cool. Uh, there was some guys that had a shop in Oklahoma, uh, just up from us in Oklahoma, that ran uh, six cylinder stuff forever, and they ran an altered that had. A uh, the four two six cylinder out of like a trailblazer in it, yeah. and they uh, they ended up their their shop closed. They uh, it was actually a father and son that passed away, but 
their the engine out of the roadster was in a dragster that was running in comp so it's uh this 42 atlas turning like 11,000 rpm in a dragster with little bitty skinny slicks on it running like mid eights or low eights or something <laughs> they just came out of buzzing. a trailblazer yeah yes just buzzing to holy hell i've like- seen that motor in a number of different things like that's not a crazy uncommon motor anymore yeah people yeah, so- people are starting to there it's the american 2j that people haven't realized yet robbie yeah okay. they they call it the 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 Amerabera is yeah. one of the <laughs> things for it. But yeah, those, it was, uh, Glenn and Kevin self were the ones that, that did the roadster and they did back years ago. They did one in a Nova that ran on drag week. That was turbo that made like a thousand horsepower or something back whenever that was crazy. A big thing to have a street driven car that made a thousand horsepower. Now it's nothing, but, um, so yeah, there was, you know, a lot of cool combinations and, and, comp and then the you know top sportsman and top dragster all running low sixes and then uh it comes time for alcohol dragster i think was the first like bigger class that came up and so alcohol dragster they're running like five like 60s i think or something like that in the full quarter mile and in dragster there's alcohol combination which is a supercharged like 500 cubic inch engine on methanol and then there's, they call them a fuel. So it's basically like a top fuel engine just without a blower on it. So it's not, it's like 90% nitro, but naturally aspirated. <laughs> so the first pair of dragsters comes up and it's two a fuel cars and it comes by and it just rings the living crap out of my ears. Mm-hmm. And I had taken my, like my good earplugs <laughs> and my earmuffs over them. And it goes by and I'm like, I have screwed up. <laughs> like I have this made a mistake. Enough. This is not sustainable for the amount of time that I'm going to have to be doing this. <laughs> so crazy. Is this the video that you got? Uh, no. So the the video I sent um, was actually, it's a pair. I think it was a pair of funny cars the of the top fuel cars. And we aren't technically allowed to I can, I can publish the, that, but can we can the play audio. the audio of it, and the audio tells a story on its own. <laughs> because yeah, I accidentally like, scrolled past it, so if you, earlier, if you heard anything in your headphones... That was, Did you that hear the sound, Dusty? I don't I don't think it came through to me. Okay, well, the listeners will. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because okay. it, it got recorded. Okay, I didn't... We've had trouble with that in the past. Yeah, so the problem is because I'm... A I'm, million years ago. Yeah, because I'm pulling Dusty's audio through the computer, anything on the computer gets pulled in that same okay okay so, yeah all right yeah so sorry I didn't dusty's to not gonna <laughs> you're so fucking close it's right there <laughs> like i swear you can reach out and wing tap of it's so crazy i mean if you wanted to you're probably good spoiler yeah. alert yeah chase Oh, you know what so, we should have done? We should have warned the people with headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I think they knew it was coming. Yeah, they figured it out. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> See, he literally just said, fuck the fans. He yeah. just said yeah, it on the, the show. Yep. He it's actually fine. said it. It's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. So, I I don't know. So, so, like, so, like, working up through the alcohol cars was, like, a good primer. And then I'm talking to this guy next to me before the the nitro before the top fuel session i'm like yeah i've never like this is my first time shooting fuel cars like this and he was like i was like yeah 
It's like, doesn't really matter how many times I do it. It never gets less crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it never hurts less. Yeah. Did he have and, some, did he have like crazy head, like crazy ear protection on, or did he just, didn't even have do you just like <laughs> wince and push through it? No. So mo- most of the guys that shot a lot that like, you could tell that did this a lot, had the, the custom formed ones that like racing electronics or those different companies do. Okay. And if I, if I did it anymore at all, that would be the two. I would just go drop the two hundred dollars or whatever it is to get those, because that would have made a big difference. Um, and I I found the right combination. Like I got my my in ear earplugs pushed in in a good spot, and then got the over the ear ones settled right where they were getting a good seal, and it was it was fine after that. And then for the top fuel cars, whenever they go by, it's not loud so much as it is just a a shockwave coming off of the car. <laughs> Smacks was, you in your chest. It. So the first, the first pair of funny cars that went, it was just a single and it went by just one car. And I just like, I just kind of stood there dumbfounded afterwards. <laughs> and like that, like that first punch you didn't see coming. Just yeah. like, what yeah. the fuck just <laughs> happened to me? Oh so my like, God. So like standing, you know, standing where I was at, they would, they would leave the line and you feel it. But then whenever they go by, the only thing I could compare it to is like, if you get hit in the face with a, with a ball or like get punched in the nose, you get that kind of like weird, like sour tinge and like, just kind of dizzy a little bit. And just like, you know, just nothing feels right for us. Yeah. That's what happens when the cars go by. <laughs> and, then, and then after a second, it's like. I want another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, oh my gosh. Like so the so the first one goes by on a single, and then the next the next goes as a pair, and they go by, and I I like pan with them, and I'm just watching them down the track. And the last the last shot I got in the initial sequence, you see the car in the far lane. So these cars are so ragged edge on the tune that if anything goes wrong with like the clutch setup or anything like that, the, the load on the engine changes and they, they actually will just put out the ignition in some of the cylinders and you'll just see raw fuel just pouring out of the pipe. (laughs) And there's so much, so they call it putting a hole out. So there's so much force out of the exhaust on, especially on a funny car, wherever you put like, two or three cylinders out on one side of the car, your downforce changes on that side and it'll just drive the car across the track. So the car so in the far lane lost the zoomies. Yeah. It's in the rule book, what angle they can be at so that, uh, teams can't play with the angle to change downforce on the car huh. because that's how, how dialed there are. That's well, that's how hard they push down. Because right. So, so that that sweep angle and in or outward from the car and back towards the back of the car is specced, huh? So that you can't fuck with it, because yeah, and that, that's how insane the pressure coming out of those exhaust pipes is. Wow. Well, and that, and that became a rule probably like three or four years ago, because the funny car guys started looking at it and were like, "Wait a minute, let's start laying them back." And they started just running faster and faster and faster, but they started getting way less stable on the top end too. It's and a so safety. They, they finally, yeah, <laughs> they finally made it a rule that you couldn't 
that you couldn't move them past a certain point because they were always like the, my whole time watching it growing up. That was just, they just all looked the same. Um, so yeah, the cars go by the, the car in the far lane puts a bunch of holes out on the right side of the car drives across the center line. Other car drives right up under the back of it. And they both just explode into a million pieces of carbon fiber. Oh, and I'm just like, uh, whoa. <laughs> and this was, this was like probably 800 feet out that they hit each other. So from where I was at, it was just a ball of smoke and dust and pieces. And like, then like it starts to clear and you see parachutes and like the, one of the, they both, they both went back over into the left side wall and I got, it's like, I got the last picture of my sequence is you can tell the car in the far lane is turning back across. And then I sh- pulled it back up and shot some more whenever they were down the track, like going up against the wall. I was like, okay, so <laughs> I've seen two pairs of nitro cars and the second pair they exploded in a million pieces hitting each other which like isn't supposed to happen you're you're not supposed to see that at a drag strip <laughs> Jeez. that was kind of like most of the reason my dad chose drag racing because he had grown up around dirt track racing and figure eight racing and stuff like that i was like i don't want to build a car every year yeah so i'm gonna do a race where i don't get hit all the time uh-huh yeah. exactly sure well, I mean, he's never been hit. Well, it worked. Yeah, so it worked out for him. That's the only the the track that <laughs> Dusty went to here. It's the only one he's ever oiled down. Jeez, that's pretty damn good. It's the only one my dad ever oiled down is that track. <laughs> huh. So, but, I, yeah. When the when they so, do crash, it's usually it's usually pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Things don't things don't go wrong small at those speeds. It, yeah. Well, even so, even the the pro comp classes and the, you know the, the air quote slower cars, even those cars are, you know they're they're in the two hundreds. They're not. I mean, even those are catastrophic crashes when they do happen. Yep. So, like that that track the the motorplex. I've been going there since I was since before I could walk. I assume that and you've seen top fuel cars before right this isn't your first top fuel event oh yeah no no i've been i've been going to the i've been going to the national since since like ever since i remember right um i was watching fuel cars like literally when i could barely walk um so my my dad had a super comp dragster up until i was five and then we got out of it for a while and yeah, so like we were happened. we were going down there like he raced I think at one of the first maybe the first national event that was at the Motorplex in '86. Um, That's cool. So it's kind of known as like the first. It was the first drag strip that kind of had that like stadium style seating with the big tower that goes across behind the starting line yeah. and stuff like that. Um, it was built by uh, Billy Meyer that was a funny car racer, and he realized like over the years of his racing, he was like, you know, there's the potential to have like big, you know, corporate sponsorship and like really take this to the next level. But I, I don't remember if it was him specifically or somebody else had like brought some people from like Budweiser or something out to attract to like an NHRA national event at this little, just hole in the wall racetrack in the middle of nowhere. And like one of these executives wife is having to go 
pee in a hole in the ground in the bathroom. You know, literally. You know, like the, literally the, in yeah. a hole in the ground. You know, it's just grass pits and no stands. And it was like, okay, like if we're going to do this, like we need to, we need a stadium to have it in, not a, yep. a pig trail out in the middle of nowhere. So, so the, and, the track that we, that my dad and I went to, um, last year for the Pontiac event was the original, uh, NHRA. The first NHRA race ever was at that. And it's literally on a military base. Right. I mean, you have to drive the, the like air quote barracks for this little national guard facility is on like, is it, the driveway to turn into it is in the middle of the staging lanes road. Like, I mean, that's what the place is. I mean, it's just, and that's not an uncommon situation. Right. When you get into really old drag strips, like they're literally old airports that sometimes still are airports. Yeah. It was all originally, it was all surplus, you know, surplus airfields stuff that was left over after, after world war two. Yeah. Which I, I, I like going to places like that because I think it's, you know, it's got a vibe. Yeah, there's the history. You, to steal, like you, a, to you steal a word from, from Adam Jabay, it's got a vibe. <laughs> it does. I mean, that's yep. – Sebring was that way. I mean, Sebring had a vibe. Yeah, because it's like, an old airport. For real. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, one of the – one of the coolest tracks I've been to drag racing wise was Beach Bend and it's been there since like 1955, I think in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. And it's like the bleachers down both sides have, they're like covered with canopies. Like that's, that's something that's really cool to me that yeah. that says like old small drag strip right. whenever there's, whenever there's, whenever they're covered like that. And it makes it that much louder underneath. <laughs> <laughs> uh I have moved cones so an airplane could taxi out onto the runway to take off at an autocross event before because our old one of our old places in Oskaloosa was still an active airport and we were on the taxiway between where the hangars were and where the air where the airfield was and if the wind was blowing in the wrong direction they that was the only way they could get out to where they needed to be <laughs> and so they I mean they were always really like cool about it but you know we might we might have to move a handful of cones so they could taxi on by us yep that's i mean i've done that for an autocross before <laughs> so it's weird stuff for sure but it's yeah, cool so if you so if you look at it like the motorplex was built in 86 and then i was looking like uh houston raceway park that just closed looks almost or looked almost identical to it. It was built like two years later. Yeah. Heartland was built like two years later. Yep. They all have that same kind of Heartland kind I mean, of overall if look. If I didn't know any better, I'd have said you're at Heartland. Yeah, it looks identical. Pictures. I mean, it, yep. the, the bleacher setup is exactly the same. Yep. The tower setup is exactly the same. I mean, that's Heartland Park. So Heartland yeah. might be a little bigger, but yeah, it's the same setup. Yeah, Billy. Billy made the he made the the prototype for the new for the modern drag strip whenever they whenever they built that place. Yeah, yeah. And then the other the other thing that's unique about it was it was the first track that was full concrete all for the whole quarter mile. Yeah. And the way that it's the way that it's made, it's like the whole thing is tensioned together, like with like cabling, I guess, or something like that. So it's like the smoothest drag strip on earth still, you know, 36 years later, 37 years later, but it makes for 
a really different surface than what most people are used to running on. So it, it makes the racing there a lot different too. And there, there's just a lot of, I'm, I'm biased because I've been going there my whole life, but it's just, it's a, it's a cool, unique place that I, I, I still love going there. Um, well, that's why Heartland Park holds a special place in my heart because, you know, I remember going there as a little kid and it's the first, currently the only place I've ever road course driven and stuff like that. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. The cup. I've gotten to drive there a couple of times. And like the first time I got to drive a car out from under that tower and go into the burnout box, it was a spooky, surreal feeling. Yeah. It was yeah, really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. One of those, like I fucking made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, I'm big I, time like, now. 10 years ago, if he could see me now. Holy shit. What the <laughs> hell? I'm so fucking cool right now. 14 year old me would be so impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, it's always like whenever whenever I was growing up, it it was always run in October. It was always cool. They always set records whenever they would come there. Like Friday night qualifying there for nitro cars. It was always it was always gonna be the fastest anybody had ever run, the quickest anybody had ever run. And for a long time they bumped it into September and it was really hot and it just wasn't that much fun. And they've moved it back into October now. So like they had qualifying session on Friday night for top fuel, which is exactly why i went down on friday night i was like i want to watch these cars under the lights standing right next to the track (laughs) with 15 feet of header flame coming out the top of them and it was the coolest thing (laughs) (laughs) how jealous was your dad oh he he yeah i i sent him there was a a picture i got of ron caps's funny car it's the napa car i think it's in the stuff that i sent you robbie yep yeah um I got that one and I had to pull, like, I think there was a, a little bit of downtime and I had to like, I had to connect it to my phone and pull that off and do a quick edit on it and then send it to everybody I know because I'm a giant nerd like that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Justifiably. Yep. I get yeah. it. Yeah. And he, he just responded back. Proud dad moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, watching those cars. So like some, some super nerdy numbers here on like the, the fuel car times. So, uh, Steve Torrance was the fastest on Friday night in the eighth mile. The car went 297 miles per hour. <laughs> and earlier this year, uh, Mike Salinas ran 300 in the eighth. So to Holy put it in, per- to put it in perspective, I still remember when like Kenny Bernstein ran the first 300 miles per hour in the yeah. quarter in 92. Yep. And then, like, since then, they've done, they've taken all kinds of measures to try and slow the cars down. And they only run to a thousand feet now instead of a quarter. But 30 years later, basically, a car ran that same speed in half the distance. (laughs) (laughs) So they run to a thousand foot. And I don't think they're any slower than they were in the quarter. They just no, have three hundred and twenty extra feet to slow the car down. Right. That's really all they accomplished. Yeah, Which I suppose is is probably a worthwhile It's it's not a bad thing. Right. No, <laughs> I, it's probably worth it, but like they're not any slower. Well, no, they're actually going mile per hour wise, they're going as fast as what they were doing whenever they pulled it back to a thousand feet. Just because the the crew chiefs just every 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 run one of those cars makes, it's more data. 
and you learn that much more about applying that power to the ground. So it's it's going through like a six disc, I think, centrifugal clutch. And you're using a timer to apply that clutch as it goes down the track. So whenever you, whenever the car leaves, it's turning 8,000 RPM or something like that. And it's, it's only got like one stage of that clutch engaged. So it's just slip, it's just slipping and it's only applying a certain amount of power. And you've got an air system with timers on it that's applying the clutch as it goes down the track. So by the time it gets to like 600 feet or, or, or seven or 800 feet, something like that, it's, applying pressure to all the discs and it's putting as much power down as it can. They run basically the same RPM from the minute they yeah. light it to theoretically all the way out the back. That's not always very rarely right. the case, Yeah, but they've, they've been, I mean, I'm sure there's some fluctuation, but it's basically like this all, motor makes the most power at 8,242 RPM. So that's where we're going to run it. And you just change the amount of slip that you allow to adjust the amount of power you're putting to the back tires. That makes sense. So they do deals with, uh, with the crew chiefs in the pits. Uh, they call it nitro one one where they just talk about different stuff, you know, like they'll have a different topic every, every weekend at their different races. So I cut part of one of those and they were talking about air pressure specifically. So, so you think, you think generally with a tire, Whenever you put more air in it, you would get less traction because it it in a in a conventional tire, whenever you put more air in it, it's less compliant. It's not going to you know transfer as much traction to the ground. With those slicks, the way that they grow and the way everything operates down the track, they put more air in them to get more traction down track because they said if you if you go if you could go out right after a run and look at the tracks that it leaves in the rubber that's put down on the racetrack at the, like the top, the last like third of the track or half of the track, something like that. The only thing that's touching the ground is like strips on the outside of the tire where the shoulder is because the, the middle of the tire actually cups up. (laughs) So if you put more air in it, you're applying more of those outer lips down. So you get more traction going down the track. And that was like, I've, I've been, around this and a giant nerd for it forever. And I never heard somebody talk about that, you know, like that specific, like that's the kind of just like nth degree things, um, that are going on. Um, a they huge probably part learned of that it. because they, they can put infrared tire temp sensors on, you know, on so the cars now that they couldn't do. 20 years ago and then they see that data as it goes down the track that the center of the tire is cooler than the outside edges and they go oh fuck that shit isn't even touching yeah i don't know how much of it is that and how much of it is just like just observing you know things like you know the the track that it leaves whenever it goes down the track and things like that and it's it's all so they do. I'm sure it's a little bit of both. If you don't think they, that those cars are wired with like every kind of sensor under the plane, so they're they're actually really <laughs> limited on what they can do electronics wise. Oh, I really? I think you can only just measure like what the engine is doing. Oh, okay. Huh. And I'm sure in t- like in in testing and stuff outside of like the national events is probably different, but um, they yeah. So like one of the one of the huge things is 
like cataloging the track and cataloging the the conditions of what the cars are running in because that so you you've got the the atmospheric conditions and how much the engine is you know how much power the engine is going to make so there's all different kinds of things with like the thickness of the head gaskets the blower overdrive the you know, like there's a lot of different things they could do that affect the amount of power that it makes and then they're reading the track. So between all of the, like between like before sessions and then between the runs, if there's any kind of downtime crew chiefs and there's guys that are specific track specialists are going out and measuring and like looking at every inch of the track out for the first like three or 400 feet, they have tools that they put on the track that measure the amount of grip that's there in different places. (laughs) Um, They'll have like, they'll draw like, topo like topographic like notes about where bumps are or divots or like there's a a bald spot in the rubber right here there's just all kinds of things like that so that affects you know where the car lines up how how they're going to apply the clutch through the first part of the run things like that it's like black art science (laughs) and just tons and tons and tons and tons of data every time they make a run they're cataloging all this stuff that way they know whenever they're in Texas and the air is this and this is this, that this is what we need to do with the car. And it's, I I was fascinated standing on the wall, just watching all of this, like this symphony of people that are moving around and measuring the track and radioing back to the team of like, Oh, we need to, you know, tweak, tweak this and the clutch timing or tweak this. And, you know, the, you know, all the different things that they can do like, right up until rolling the car into the burnout box. It it's mind boggling the complexity of sending one of these cars down the track. And it was super fun to watch it up close. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, Dusty, you're so funny to me. I love it. Cause I, I just, so, I assume it's kind of like, um, both road racing where somebody pulls off track and you got some of the pyrometer checking the tires and four, three different spots on each one. And, I'm sure that they do that cool. stuff if they can. Oh yeah. Uh, I remember when we were drag racing that we had a little weather station yep. and my mom would, would catalog, you know, like she'd write down, you know, all the different, uh, times we went and then or on that pass and then we would write down you know tire pressures and stuff that we were able to control or change and then we would you know we had barometric pressure humidity and and air temp yep. back then we didn't have track temps because we didn't really have a good way of of identifying that like you do now right well you know you got an ir gun and you just point it at the track and go oh okay it's, it's 105 degrees today or whatever it is yep. but back then that really wasn't a thing but we still kept track of a lot of stuff oh yeah and we were just morons that happens so yeah so so whenever we whenever we were bracket racing you know like like 2010 to like 2013 we got a, a database program that we would enter all the atmospheric conditions in and then like you would be able to go back and just be like oh tonight is this this and this and it would it would search it and pull it back up and say oh well you know Last July, it was pretty much the same. And as long as you hadn't changed everything on the car since then, you'd have a pretty good idea of what it was going to do. But, yeah. You ran this on that day when the yep. atmospheric pressure, you know, when the when the weather was basically the same, you went this fast that day. Yep. So yep. Did, plan accordingly. Did, 
<laughs> density density altitude and water grains that's the big uh that's like the big things that determine how much oxygen there is in the air which determines how much fuel you can burn which determines how much power you can make which is why whenever it's 60 degrees whenever you dyno the car and it was 80 degrees when you dyno the car earlier in the weekend your numbers might not be the same <laughs> yeah no, no, you're crazy. Yeah, no, silly me. It's mostly the dino. It's, it's definitely the 100% dino. 100% the dino. Yeah. It's just not accurate. That's all there is to it. So get, getting getting back into more nerdy numbers before I, I put everyone totally to sleep. <laughs> so so Torrance and the, and the top field dragster ran 297 in the 8th. Bob Tasca in a funny car ran 289 in the eighth. Oof. So that's like eight miles an hour slower. But Tasca ran 338 out the back. So that car picked up nearly 50 miles an hour in 340 feet when it was already running nearly 300 miles an hour. Jeez. And funny cars are, generally speaking, the slower of the two nitro classes. Right. Dragsters so, are generally faster. Yep. Yeah, so so NHRA posts in the detailed results on their website, they've got the incrementals for all the cars. So you see 60 foot, 330, 660, and then 1,000 foot. 1,000. So you can see, like, the funny cars are, like, a couple tenths slower, but they were actually generally faster mile an hour wise. It's because I don't and think that they can launch as hard. I think Yeah, that so the dragsters the run harder. Yeah, the dragsters run harder out the first 500 feet, and then the funny cars make up for it with – arrow and being able to sweep the headers back they're able to charge harder down to the end of the track yeah which is super cool to me <laughs> yeah they've um, always been the slower class air quotes but they're not like i think they're probably closer now than they were when i was younger yeah it's still it's always been so way back when whenever whenever they still had big cigarette money um they did like an invitational thing where it was, I don't remember if it was a full 16 car field or if it was just eight, but it was, it was uh dragsters versus funny cars. And they had, they, they handicapped the start by like whatever, like the average difference was. So the funny car would get to leave first, but it was on a pro tree and it was only like a couple hundreds. So the tree looked like super, it was like watching a bracket race, but the lights were just like, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. And it was, it was the coolest thing ever. My dad hated it. He thought it was so stupid, and I thought it was awesome. It would be cool to see them run side by side, though. Yeah, yeah, and they'll they'll still they'll do it at like t at like test days and stuff like that now. But like this was, I think I think it was like a I think Winston put like a million dollars on it or something like that Jeez. for the winner of it. Oh, the good old days, Robbie. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. So, so. The 60 foot time for a dragster, like 0.829. So like a, a really fast door slammer car will be like low one second. Like yeah. pro stocks are running like 0.980s or something like that. So a 0.829, if you put it in a calculator, it comes out to 4.77 Gs. It's <laughs> a lot of Gs. That's uncomfortable. That is, that is moving. Your entire and then face. it just put, yeah. and then it just keeps pulling all the way down the track because yeah. it's just accelerating the whole time. Yeah, like a fighter jet. Just yep. 
I'm going to try and find my dad, one of my dad's time slips. I realize they're like Apple completely <laughs> different leagues of insanity, but, uh, so yeah, like whenever we were, whenever we were running the Camaro with a five speed in it, our best was like a one forty three sixty foot. And that was like a solid, solid kick in the back. I, I yeah. cannot, I cannot imagine even a low one second. So my dad's car is freak of nature, 60 foot for whatever reason, like for its power number and, and stuff like that. It, it, whatever it just does crazy low 60. It's a one, like the times of here, just the random one I pulled up a one, three, two, 1.32 seconds, 60 foot. Okay. Which is, for for the power of you know for a for a mid nine second car that's a that's a pretty fast sixty foot time right so yeah that's almost double a top fuel car mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in yeah in one point three seconds <laughs> yeah and yeah. then and then doing the Doing the calculation on it, it comes out to like right at 100 miles per hour in 60 feet. The other one I found here, a 1.31. So I mean, he's pretty consistently 1.3s. Yeah. Just a, a very respectable 60 foot time. Here's another 1.31. So, yeah. These are all 1.310, So, yeah. It's a bracket car. It's not, yeah. It's a it's it's a very consistent car. It just doesn't have a very consistent driver. I've I've been there. Yeah, that happens. And I I can say that being uh, that was me when I did it too. So like I can I can say that without you know being too critical because it was me too. But yeah, it's a very consistent car. It just needs a more consistent driver. Don't they all? <laughs> it's like race. Yeah. It's like yeah. I mean, it's road racing. Yeah, it's all it's, it's all the same. Robbie Z is probably a yes. really consistent car. Uh, yeah, it just needs it's a more op- consistent driver. Operating a motor vehicle in a competitive environment—that's what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The weak link isn't the car, no matter what motorsport you're doing. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, funny how that works. It is kind of ironic how incredibly uh similar that aspect of racing is oh yeah it's all the same yeah my dad will be the first person to tell you he's not a very successful drag racer but if you look at his time slips there's no reason he shouldn't be right so it's rough bracket racing is there's there's a lot there's a lot going on in a short amount of time so you you talked on the the one after you went to uh, Heartland about yeah. all the index index classes. So yeah. super comp, super gas, super street. So I offended. I'm not, I'm not going I offended Dusty. I know in he, he multiple was, no, ways because perhaps. I misspoke or I'm not. Upset I'm not going to some, some so, way, shape, or form. Is fine, whatever. So I'm not going to defend super super class racing at NHRA events. It is not fun to watch. Thank you. <laughs> sucks so i will i will explain why it looks like it does and also explain that if you do index racing but you don't allow delay boxes it is a blast so we did some 7-0 racing with with the camaro and it was 
awesome because it was it was no delay box and no electronics was, bracket racing is the best. Well, and, but then doing it on an index is even more fun because it it's essentially heads up. So the it the cars are close all the way down the track. It's super hard to tell who's going to win what. Like it's super exciting. Like it was the seven oh racing we did was a blast. Do I lift? Do I stay in it? Am I just far enough <laughs> yeah. ahead that if I lift, I might? Did he's is he going too so, fast? If he's ahead of me, maybe he's going too fast. Maybe I should lift and make sure I don't break out. Yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah. So. So super comp and super gas exist in the form that they do now because they allowed all of the electronics. So if we should, you're, we should probably explain the difference between bracket and index racing because those are not the same thing. Well, index racing is just bracket racing with us, with everybody with the same dial in essentially. Well, okay, that's fair. So, so bracket racing, you get to pick your time right? and it doesn't matter how slow that time is. Yeah. Technically a bracket racing, racing class could have my dad's mid nine second tube frame car and a bone stock 18 second PT cruiser. Right. I don't know if that, so, you know, like safety wise would actually work, but in theory that could, those two cars could race each other. Yes. Index racing. Everybody is targeting the same time. time. Okay. So that's the difference between the two right. classes or the yeah, two so, t- styles. So the common thing across bracket racing of, of any sort is the, f- the car that's faster leaves second. So whenever you get to the top end of the track, the car that is doing the chasing, if they take care of business on the starting line and the car's running what it's supposed to, the cards are kind of more in their hand of, do I think I'm catching him too fast? Do I think I'm, I'm, I need to run him down. It's like you drive, they call it driving the stripe. So you got to determine where you're at, how you think your run is going and determine if you need to, run it out the back door to get around him because it's still whoever crosses the finish line first. So if everything the is car, exactly the same and you both run your dial-ins, you should cross the beams at the end at the exact same point in time. Right. Yeah. So, so, so you have to decide as the guy who's chasing, am I catching him not as fast as I expected to be, which means he's running faster than he thought he would. And so I should lift because then he'll break out and I'll win. Yes. You know, the, and you're making that decision in, in a, like four seconds. Yeah. In like an, you know, an eight second pass and you're making that decision in the last two and a half seconds of that pass. Yep. So like, that's, that's a lot of computing, calculating, and also trying not to crash your car at 170 miles an hour. Right. Yep. So, so the, the faster car in general, it's kind of like a poker game. You, you kind of, you kind of know more about what the cards are whenever you're getting down toward the end of the track, because you've got a, a better perspective on things than the guy that's trying to look over his shoulder and do the same amount of processing. So super comp, super gas, these guys figured that out. So I've got the delay box so I can make this car run 890 no matter what it does. So. A car running 890 should be like 160 miles an hour or something like that if it's running flat out in the quarter. Uh, the super comp guys are just building faster and faster and faster cars, putting more delay in it, and then you get more top end mile an hour. So you're still you're running the same time, but you're getting to run the other guy down. So you're you're still getting that advantage of being the faster car in a bracket race. To put it in perspective, Bo Butner was running super comp. He's run pro stock a decent amount. He ran 194 miles an hour in a 
in a qualifying run. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's like a six second car. Yeah. Like a, a, a solid six, like a, yeah. a, a, a good six second car. Running and he's an running on an 890 class. index. Yeah. And that car's a, so, a solid two seconds faster than what he's running it in. So that so that car hits off the line, cuts a sixty foot, and then goes on the delay box, and then it hits again like almost as hard as it hit off the line, yeah. one hundred and fifty feet out or something like that, <laughs> and then runs down the track. So again, I'm not defending it. I'm just explaining why it is what it is. <laughs> it's just not <laughs> as I, interesting. I can't, I can't stand to watch it. It's just not. It's not good to watch. It's not a good yeah. spectator sport. Yeah. Bracket so, racing struggles to be that already to some people, especially people who don't really understand what's going on. And they're like, why didn't he leave at the same time? But like when they launch, they roll out 60 foot and then they just like have a bunch of random misfires and then take off again. You're like, what the fuck just happened? Why is this? No. The the super fun thing is to sit in a in a group of people on the spectator side that you can tell that they're just there to watch the fuel cars. Yeah, and if they do happen to stay in the stands to listen to them try to figure out what's going on, it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's rough. So so again, not defending it, but that's why it is what it is. And so some other random fun facts. Um, so they have a class called Factory Stock Showdown that is Mustangs, Challengers, and Camaros. Uh, it's like the Copo Camaro keep, keep or the uh, Drag Pack Challengers. That's actually so, the Copo car. He's got yeah, pictures of the Copo in car in here. Nope. Um, so apparently to get a Copo car, you have to... that That's okay. a Copo car. Oh, to get a Copo car, you have to like enter in a lottery or something like that. And, yeah, then, they're, they're and then you get the opportunity and... to buy it if you win the lottery. Yep. And my dad has a buddy who actually got his name pulled once. But then he found out that the cars are like, I don't remember. Let's just say $200,000. Yeah, and he's just crazy. like he's just like an average middle class American citizen. Yeah. And he was like, well, I guess you can throw my name out and pick somebody yeah. else because that ain't fucking happening. Well, see, the thing you do is you just get the loan to float that and then you turn around and sell it to somebody that wants to race it yeah and make a little bit of money but so these cars like from the outside they look like the body is all stock panels part, yeah. um, like the the camaro has a big giant bulge because it's got a huge like high rim intake on it or uh like a giant uh blower with the like intercooler built into it stuff like that but these cars are running like deep sevens like 770s and they look like Camaros. They look like Mustangs. They look like Challengers. Yeah. They've got late model engines that are actual production-based engines in them, and they are so cool. You can buy that <laughs> engine, I think, can't you? Like yeah, as a crate I don't motor? What com- I, I, I don't so. remember what uh, combo they're running in the newest ones, but yeah, there's because the Copos you could get a couple different configurations in. Right. Remember, oh, yeah, so I remember we saw that at PRI. Yeah, they, they. I mean, that was the year that I, I think I was there. That, that you don't one. have a lot. I mean, the one that, that I was there, but like my, I don't. You, yeah, yeah, you I, were. Yeah, yeah my brain wasn't there, and I, right. I know I saw that car, but I might not have actually saw that. I, that that yeah, is the yeah, year. Yeah. That was the year. So, so the, like GM's done a few different combinations in the Camaros and and Ford and and Dodge have done the same. Ford's thing is the Cobra Jet, right? That's what they call theirs. 
Yeah, I think that's what the newest ones are. Yeah, and, and then, then the challenge, challenge challengers, the drag, drag pack. pack. Yeah, but they're like Cobra Jet's the got, best name of the three. I guess it's the best name of the three. Copo is not a good name. I realize it's heritage and blah blah blah, and it probably offends Camaro yeah, cent- oh, yeah, yeah, over there for yeah, me for to say sure, that, but, but it's the worst name. Cent- Central Office Production Order. That's what it stands for. <laughs> yeah, it's also where you got your taxis, <laughs> but hey, whatever. <laughs> but the fact, but so in the sixties, guys were just like sneaking in invoices on these and buying race cars from yeah, the factory. Whatever GM was expressly saying, we're not building race cars. So yeah, so Copa was like a way where you you could order a la carte yeah. things, so people could order like taxi spec impalas and stuff like that through copo and people were ordering cars without all of the amenities and the big engines and the right transmissions like that and stuff like that through copo to get their race car camaros yeah so at the time they were bypassing the rules that gm put in place and now they're legendary and so gm uses that name smart Yeah, there's a few, uh, there's a few examples of that yeah, going it's not around this only... week of corporate people selling out cool things, but <laughs> he's not wrong. Yeah, well, we, don't need, we don't need to get into it, but he's not, not wrong. It's not a new thing by any stretch. So, um, so yeah, they like pro stock has always been my favorite class, and over the years, it's just grown into these cars that just look like jelly beans. And my dad's the, always been a big pro stock fan too. Yeah, pro. Pro Stock was always my favorite. The cars was, always it sounded was always so cool. The coolest. Just big, big cubic inch, naturally aspirated, tons of RPM. Just I still super love Pro Mod the most. I've always loved Pro Mod the most. Yeah, but Pro Mod has gotten away from what it was when I was younger too. Like Pro Stock and Pro Mod both have they've turned into more of like you said jelly beans and these long yep. stretched noses and they're yeah, not pro, pro as much cool should have as a, they used to be pro much should have a, a like a year model limit they shouldn't be able to run anything besides like stretched out crazy cartoon old muscle cars and right. like they should all be based on willies and right yeah yeah absolutely. stuff like that yeah they should all be based on cars that are they should have like a 25 year rule at, at a minimum Maybe a fifty-year rule, even. Yeah, fifty years. <laughs> yeah, twenty-five is not that far back, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-five. That's a catfish Camaro. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. God help us, right? Yeah, uh, we're, we're getting old, guys. Yeah, it's definitely hitting me harder this year. Like I'm looking at the mirror, going, "30 fucking four years old." Yeah, I'm an old man. Yeah. It's only gonna get worse, Adam. Yeah. Yep, it, get, it just gets it just gets better. It just gets better. Yeah, sure. Jesus. So, so yeah, factory stock cars were super super cool. And there's like there's a couple different guys that are building motors for them, and a couple different guys that are doing like the setups of the actual cars. So some of them would leave with you know just a little bit of it. They would just like hang like one wheel up on the front and just go. And then others were leaving hard on the wheelie bar and tripping the 60 foot timer with the back tire. Yeah, like, yeah, boy, sh- like a you man should be doing <laughs> yeah. like a man. Yeah. 
That's why I like going to gasser races because they're still shifting those cars and they launch them and like they use the wheel. Those that is fun. Yep, a a real man grabs second while the front wheels are still off the ground. That's that's the way drag racing should work. But so uh, you have no arguments for me in time attack. I am pro like PDKs and sequentials and and. ABSs and and traction controls in drag racing the simpler and more like okay. you have to do it yourself the better okay this like what we just said a little bit ago Adam it's all the same you should have the same feelings no, no way, matter dude. what no way uh, dude no way you're ridiculous <laughs> no electronics in drag racing road road, road coursing all the electronics fuck ridiculous it. you're so backwards <laughs> i just want to see cars go as fast as they can around a corner <sighs> but in a, in a straight line i want to see them driven why can't yeah, you why can't I, you want that why can't you want it both ways adam <laughs> i don't know guys <sighs> I stick to my convictions. I want, I want to, I want to shift the shift the gears and yeah. do it all my damn self, no matter whether I'm going around a corner or down a, a drag strip. So I'm okay. That's I'm, why I'll be slow. I'm a hundred percent okay with Lenkos, which are, I mean, you do shift them yourself, but you don't clutch them. Right. That I'm a hundred percent okay with because they're fucking badass. They're wild. Now, if it, my, so I, I loved driving the Camaro with the five speed putting it on the two-step at 6,500 and dumping and sidestepping the clutch and then shifting the thing myself down the track was so fun. The only thing I would have changed would be to do a face-plated G-Force trans and get it to where I didn't have to use the damn clutch pedal whenever I was going down the track. Hell yeah. And (laughs) that would have been even better, but... Yeah. Yeah. We're we're team analog here. It's fine. Drag racing? I Yeah, absolutely. I would prefer that on road course as well, nah. but I also don't want to be the slowest guy there, so I, nah. I, I got to go the electronics route. Blip boxes. Hell, you shouldn't even be shifting it yourself, Rob. You should just be pulling a paddle. Ugh. Hell yeah. Ugh. I don't even fucking like doing that on iRacing. Like, I, I seriously fucking hate it. Yeah. Like, if I could get like just get rid of the paddle, like, if I could override it and make it a, a manual every single time. No. If it's a sequential car, you're fucking stuck. Oh, really? It is what it is. Yeah, oh, I can't. didn't know that. I've never driven iRacing, so I didn't. It's a it's a full simulation. I suppose. It never crossed my mind. Drives me nuts. Because <sighs> when they switched to the newest Miata, it went from a non-sequential to a sequential. Oh. And I was so confused the first time. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? I know this works. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, the the best thing I could do was that when I got when we had the when we were doing the NPO one, I had uh, like a an actual like sequential, so yeah. I had like a modification so that third gear was um, down and then fourth gear was up, so then I could and I had springs and shit on it, so I could yeah. just pull it back. So then you could you could override it and use that as your sequential, right? But even that, I fucking hate paddles. Hate them. <laughs> I fucking hate paddles. I said it. <laughs> I'm about it. Nope. Whatever makes you go They're, faster. Because Bo- Booney talked about putting paddles in the NPO one, and I was like, I would rather spend that same money on a Mark sixty and retrofit it myself. Dude, a Mark sixty on the NPO one would have been so good. Luckily, everyone was on board with that same thought because it was like way too much money for paddles. Uh, Mark sixty would be so good on there. That's I mean that's that's honestly why I documented it as well as I did. It's because you were it's because it's on because that. I was planning on putting on another one on the the NPO one. Apparently. That was a very successful article you wrote there. It's the second most popular article on their website. 
I'll drive, drive behind to. Adam Jabay telling you your harness bar is going to get you killed. That's, that's, that's number one, and that will always be number one, apparently. As it should be. And then, yeah, mine was number two the last time they checked. So, so to I, do to do paddles on that car, is that like putting like an air system on it? Or I'm not 100% that? sure how it worked, but yeah, you, like it didn't change shit. But you just, instead of having the lever, you had paddles. So, yeah, it just like actuated things. Did yeah. Ferris so, ever put his on, or does he still pull the a lever? New, the new car has paddles in it. I don't know that he ever put them in the other car. Okay. But, yeah, he put the, he put a setup in the new car. I remember he bought a set, but then he, that was back when he was still running track mod as well, and they weren't allowed in track mod. Yeah, I don't I don't remember if he was using paddles in the in that. I, said, I didn't, yeah, I didn't watch watching it. that video from World Time Attack, but I was too busy looking at other things besides. I was paying hands. attention. Yeah, I was paying attention to him taking that corner at like 180. I didn't. Oh, I, didn't I, don't re- I don't remember the <laughs> the paddles or not. Right there. Fucking wild. Jesus Christ. That what a wild. fucking ride. So anyway, uh, you also did the let's take my small child to the, the drag races. And I think you had a similar but more successful experience than as I. Well, Adam, kids don't change anything. So <laughs> I don't know why this would matter. Yeah. So we we pa- we packed him up on Sunday and took him down. We we did a real good job of heading into this by keeping them out too late Saturday night before we went down there. Smart. Smart. You know, set yourself up for success. Nailed it. (laughs) Um, So I told myself going into it, like, I just want to see his reaction to fuel cars. If he loses his crap, we'll turn around and go home. I don't really like, let's just, let's just see what he does because I, I went and had that experience whenever I was way too small to do it. So I want (laughs) to take him in the same way. Um, Yeah. So he just turned three and we got down there and he was just kind of in a funky mood, but we like, we went over and watched a car. So we hold, stood, hold on br- to, to preface this. Your child is like into cars. Yes. Like oh, yeah. he, so he has like passing interests in different things to play with at home, but it always comes back to hot wheels. Like we did dinosaurs for a little bit, but we're back to cars. And then we did, you can do like dinosaurs and some, cars at the same time. It's fine. It's cool, man. My my son is not die hard into cars. I promise you, your three year old kid can identify car, more cars than my seven year old. Oh yeah. So didn't my, yeah? Doesn't your son have a, a name for my car? Or what was it? Uh. So okay. So I showed him a picture. I guess from Topeka, maybe. Yeah, and I told him that that was Robbie's car, and then. For the next several days, he was calling one of his Hot Wheels that wasn't even Jackson Storm from Cars. It was Bobby Jackson Storm. <laughs> and it was because I told him that the car was Robbie's. Bobby and then Jackson immediately Storm. afterwards, like he was it. like, oh, you this is Bobby Jackson. You should put that as a name on your car. <laughs> Bobby Jackson <laughs> Storm. <laughs> it should definitely change the livery now. I like it. I mean, Jackson Storm's car looks pretty cool. but It's, it's not a bad looking car. It's pretty bland, though. Yeah, I don't know. The blue, the blue pops just, in the sun pretty good. That's fair. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, to, to put his fascination with cars into a little bit of perspective, whenever we drive down the road, he can identify, he calls out every Tesla, literally every Tesla, which is a lot of Teslas where down, we yeah, live. Down there? No way. Yeah. <laughs> um, he can identify BMWs, like all BMWs from Z4s up to X5s. Anytime he sees the front end, he's like, "Oh, BMW." <laughs> Where did uh, he pull that from? 
Bronco. I told him that a car was a BMW one day and then it just started. And it was literally huh. like we passed like a we passed like a five series. And then from then on, like SUV coupe. Doesn't Weird. matter. He sees the kidneys. He's like, that's a BMW. Huh. And he's right every time. Well, yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, yep. if there's one thing that BMW has stuck their guns to, it's it's the kidneys. So Yeah. So it's it's those two Jeeps, Broncos. Broncos are a big one. Bronco truck, Bronco truck, Bronco truck. <laughs> Um, total so yeah, random he, thought, but your Bronco truck makes me think of this. I saw a Jeep Gladiator last week with a topper, and I'm just like, "What? But, but why? What's the point? Why would you buy a Gladiator and then put a topper? You bought a Jeep truck and then made it a Jeep Jeep, <laughs> but a but a worse Jeep, but a Jeep. worse Jeep Jeep. Yes, because yeah. It, yeah, it does both things poorly now. Yeah, it's neither a truck nor a Jeep now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a station wagon. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what they want. Well, at least they spent like sixty grand on it, so right? Like and, I, and, and I'm sure that the topper was nothing short of fifteen. So, yeah, because yeah. even cheap toppers for S10s are more money than they should be. So I can't imagine what a topper for a new uh, Jeep costs from Jeep. Yeah, I would imagine. It's I don't insane. know. I don't know who makes it. You know, I don't know if it was a, no. a factory product or what. But I was like, why would you put a topper on a Jeep Gladiator? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's weird. I'll be on the lookout for it at SEMA next week. Yeah. I'm sure I'll see at least one or so, two. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so your child has been truly and, and wholeheartedly ruined. Uh, yeah. So he's but, been. So this is his first drag racing experience, period. So well, I took him I to. Topeka took him, last year. Yeah. I took him to a local track last year at one point. Okay. Um, so there's, we have like a group of friends that all of our wives went out for a, like a girl's night on Friday night. And we all messaged each other like, hey, we're stuck with the kids. We might as well drag them all out way past their bedtimes and go to the drag strip. Hell yeah. Smart. I like That's this. This is a good group. Make your make the wives regret leaving them with the husbands <laughs> yeah. and also yeah. have a good time. That's a win-win, really. I mean, all, exactly. all the wives get home. <laughs> Houses are empty. All the boys are out of the track. Yep. And the next morning, they're going to regret everything they did. They're probably a little hungover. Let's just, be real here because, you know, they're not 22 anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And whether you put a kid to bed at 830 or midnight, he wakes up at six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing he ever saw go down the track, and this was at an eighth mile drag strip that we were like, 20 feet from the wall with me with my truck backed up to the fence was two jet cars <laughs> noise <laughs> we pulled up i had Perfect. I had no i had no idea what they were doing that night i thought it was just like a random like bracket night or something yeah, yeah. And they're like all right we got the jet cars rolling up next i was like Ooh, okay this might be interesting it's <laughs> plug his ears plug his yeah, ears so yeah so i had like we brought i brought your muffs for him but, right but jet cars are loud so the the biggest thing he got excited about that night was just like a like a super comp dragster. Like there was there was a pair. I have a video of him. There's a pair goes by and he gets this big smile on his face. And then the next one does a burnout right in front of us. And he just starts laughing <laughs> hysterically. <laughs> Perfect. That poor kid never had a chance. Yeah. So. So like we walked up, we got there early enough to run around in the pits before uh, before. First round started. 
Like we walked up right behind Doug Kalita's car when they're warming it up in the pits because that's a thing you can do at an NHRA event is just yeah, it is. roam up behind a car while it's just sitting there. Kind of Watch them tear apart the engines. Yeah. You're 10 yeah. foot away from them as they're just going to town on those engines and then they put them all back together and warm them up. Yeah. Yeah. So took him and let him see that at fairly close range and he was just kind of like, just big eyed and get your eyes all watery from the nitro. Oh, so, so we good. So we, we made sure to get upwind of that because it was a pretty good breeze blowing. Come on. Cold. I didn't, I didn't want to like just completely ruin him right out of the gate Come and just on. make him mad. <laughs> <laughs> smells so good though. Yeah. So the, that was one of the other random things about standing right next to the track. So they would come down on the, and they would pretty well stop right next to me on the burnout yeah. on the wall. And yeah, I got blasted to like multiple times. I've, I legitimately felt hung over Saturday morning. Oh, it'll make it your eyes I, water like real hard. Oh yeah. It's rough. Yeah. I would get it. I always get it in my nose first and I can feel like my entire sinuses just go. <laughs> <laughs> It's rough for sure. Um, so yeah, we run around the pits, ended up getting him up in the stands for first round and like the first pair of cars go by and he was just like, you can tell he doesn't know what to think. He's just kind of sta- like just sitting there mouth open and then it just turns into a smile. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what, what'd you think about that button? He was like, that was loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he, ruined. And then he sits there for a second. And he's like, "I'm happy." <laughs> Jeez. Yep. But he didn't last too so, long, did he? Yeah. No. So then, by uh, so, like on, like on elimination during the the final eliminations on Sunday, the actual racing, like a pair goes down, and then like guys are coming out looking at the track. There's there's just a, there was a good amount of downtime between each run. Yeah. And we're up in the bleachers, the wind's blowing like crazy. There's people in all around us and he made it cause there's, there's 16 cars on the ladder. So there's eight pairs of cars. He made it to the seventh pair and then he was just like, okay, I'm done. I'm ready to go. <laughs> How far away from home is this for you? Uh, like an hour. So oh, not terrible. Not so not so, bad. Bad. so yeah, we, see, like we got down out of the five hours then, from my house. So it's like, yeah. if we're going, we're doing the day. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we like, we got down out of the stands and like ended up going over and running around the pits, but he was just, he was tired and yeah. Was like, yeah. Okay. We're, we're good. I got him his experience. So yep. Can say that I took a three year old to the to the drag race. He bought him a toy drag. That was that. Yep. yep. So so whenever due diligence. Yep. Whenever I was a little kid, I had this little plastic dragster that's like a little over a foot long, and they still make that exact same dragster. It just has different wings on it. I had one too. <laughs> and I think mine was so orange. You're what? I'm pretty sure mine was orange. Probably. Maybe yeah, mine, you, maybe it started red and faded to orange because I left it outside all the time. That could be, also be possible. Yeah. That could be. Yep. But yes, I had one too. I remember that very specifically. Yep. Mine was mine was white, and I probably made like fourteen million drag racing passes with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, he he carried it around with him for 
well, he, he caught sight of a, a little diecast truck that we have on a shelf the other day. So the truck replaced the dragster, but he carried the dragster around everywhere for us uh, like a week and a half to. <laughs> He's, he never had a chance, Robbie. No, this, this kid. He's don't have to worry about drugs. Yeah, he's got cars. Nope. nope. Yep. We got. Well, the good news is we already got three things to race. So my kids are apparently aspiring soccer players. So well, you did this to yourself with your Instagram handle. I know it was a joke, and now it's, it's not a joke. True. Yeah. I mean, so you you spoke upsetting. you spoke this into existence. Yeah. Yeah. You should have made it crew chief, Dad. I mean, well, then you'd be. I can change it, uh, but it's now. probably too late. It's too late now. <laughs> Even my daughter <laughs> likes to kick around soccer balls now. I'm like, what the. the well, lucky for you, they do soccer practice every day and then, like, every weekend. <laughs> I have a soccer game on Saturday. I bet Robbie. you do. I bet you do. <laughs> it's the last one of the season. Uh-huh. What's the winter sport? Basketball? Uh, wrestling? Annoyingly, he has decided that he didn't in, uh, dislike wrestling enough to not do it this year. <laughs> and his mother thinks that he needs to be in something every season. Every season, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to keep them busy. No, you don't. <laughs> keep yourself busy now. That's the problem. But Adam, I was told that kids don't change things. I don't. Understand. You were lied to. I don't understand. Bold face lied. I don't understand. Like I was. First of all, I was explicitly first told. Of all, kids nobody don't in this room, virtually or physically, thought that. <laughs> told you that. Lied to you. <laughs> Uh, even for a second, believed that that would be the scenario. And the person or persons who thought that, believed that, told that, you that. That drifter in Ohio explicitly told me that kids won't change anything. Was high as a kite when he <laughs> said that, if he really truly believed that that was going to be the case. And just like I told him, it's not necessarily a bad thing that some things change. Yep. There's that. There is that. No, I mean, I wouldn't. No, soccer practice. That that could go away. <laughs> yes. But, like, no one's going to genuinely judge you if you decide not to do that event this weekend because you just don't want to deal with it. I don't have kids, and even I get there. Right. <laughs> right. That being said, yes. I didn't want to spend all my weekends at fucking soccer games and don't worry wrestling tournaments it'll be worse well you gotta that's why you gotta get him in that junior yeah well it's too far away (laughs) katie won't let me move so yeah they had that they had that same kind of uh junior setup right inside the gate yeah Uh, where you could sit in it too yeah did he didn't they didn't have any of them out where you could sit on but they were actually running too so Huh. But yeah, he got a he got an autograph, autographed hero card from one of the kids. Yeah, nice. Did the kids sign it right then and there? Like they had him pre-signed. Ah, I, see, it, this it's kid, definitely his. This kid, it's was definitely like, his writing though. This kid was like handing him out, and he asked Logan, "Like, you want it signed?" And Logan's like, "Yeah," and like literally, that was the best. Like that that made that kid's day. Yeah, for sure. That he got to sign That's it cool. for a kid who was the, like basically the same age as he was. Yep. Like that was literally the coolest thing ever for him, which was. Fun. Well, it's like uh, at Midwest Fest when those kids were walking around having like all the GLCC drivers like sign this visor or helmet or whatever. Right. I mean, that was cool. They don't know me from anybody. But right. Like, you do GLC? You want to sign this? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Number 95. 
Apparently he needs a Lightning McQueen uh, library instead. Oh, uh, yeah. Because he is number yeah, we're 95. Five. Yeah. Yeah, whenever you sent me 95, that my Disney-addled brain, that was the first thing I thought of. Yeah. It's not too late. I mean, I'm not changing it now. Maybe next time. Next time I have to rip all my vinyl off, then we'll get real creative. Well, Wes doesn't race anymore, so no one's there to crash into you, so you should be fine. Yeah, For a while. Hopefully, yeah. That's, that's the plan. So I don't want to. Maybe next year to, that's all you'll have to do, Robbie. Is, is body work? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe that maybe that's all you'll have to do is is a is a live change. That'd be cool. That'd be nice to go into the season and not have like major plans. Yeah, I mean this year was that way, and I that's scope, changed scope, already. Scope creeped a little bit. <laughs> a little. That's what it is. Yeah, just a little. Jesus Christ, it's fine. So, anything else on the drag racing front, Dusty? So a couple of other random. No, I actually made notes for this episode. That's I've how noticed you're way prepared. Off of notes. I, I, I refuse yeah. to. Do I kind of wish that you lived in Iowa so you could be sitting in this this spot right here every week. It's true. You can make that happen. Yep. Yeah, we we should have recorded something while I was there, but neither of the opportune times for it sounded like a good idea. No, it <laughs> that was a bad week to to find time for that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a couple other random notes. Uh, Tony Stewart from uh, NASCAR and Sprint uh-huh. Car and other car fame. Um, he's married to Leah Pruitt, who's a top fuel driver. He owns uh, her dragster. And then uh, Matt Hagen drives a funny car that's his team as well. And then he was also driving a one of the A-Fuel cars in the alcohol class. Oh, really? So, I got a I got That's a cool funny. picture looking through the windshield of his dragster and like into the visor and you can tell it's his eyes like it's so weird. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! <laughs> you didn't send me like that, did you? Up. Oh yeah, uh, I, I don't. Yeah, uh, no, yeah that's, that's Tony Stewart. Okay, yeah. yeah. Holy cow, that's hilarious! That's wild. Yeah, and his carbon fiber raw carbon fiber dragster. Yep. Nice. And then, and then, so pro stock that we talked about earlier. Um, He's the, wearing his mobile one like nascar helmet yeah well it's he's the car was a primary mobile one sponsor as well so um and then so pro stock um the class was separated number one qualifier was a 648 number 16 qualifier was a 653 (laughs) whoa That's wild. Yeah. In which, with a couple of exceptions, they're all the same Camaro body, and there's like four different groups that are building engines for all of them. So, like, it's essentially a spec series at this point, but it's still a manually shifted five speed and still a car turning 10,500 RPM that you have to nail four shift points going down the track plus all the chassis. Still manually shifted? Yeah. Yep. Huh. I would never have guessed that. Yeah, it's it's clutchless. They just they just right. But I would never have line, assumed yep. that that wasn't all automated now. Yeah, or even and they not a gear set for that matter. No, yeah, it's it's a Liberty. It's still a Liberty five speed. So it's it's just straight cut gears that you're slamming from one gear to the next. Is the, it H pattern or is it levers? No, it's it's just it's a the way the shifter works. You like it's got a lever that you pull that pulls a a mechanism up into first gear and you just, you just go forward, back, forward, back. 
and it just like moves down through the gears on a mechanism on the top of the transmission. But yeah, it's still, it's still manual. You still got to hit a shift light. And they, they put in several, nobody gets that. Yeah. They, several years ago, they put in a 10,500 RPM rev limit, which is kind of like whenever the, the class died to me. That's so lame. Yeah. And they, they did it to, cut costs because all like the amount of development the amount of development money it takes to make a 500 cubic inch push rod engine turn 11,000 plus rpm is insane but it also like that's why it was, it was cool yeah so there was one engine builder that uh it was kb racing this craig anderson and jason line that they turned like at least 500 rpm more than anybody else and you could you could blindfold me and put me next to the track and I would be able to tell you which cars were theirs and which cars weren't because you could hear the difference in it. It was insane. And it was so cool. And like they they did like it's been within the last handful of years that they finally went away from carburetors in that class. Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't that long ago, was it? No, that's yeah. That's where I was going next was whenever they went from carburetors to EFI, the cars don't sound as good anymore either. Like with, with twin dominators on them, they would sit there and idle and just it's just like super, super, super crisp because they're like 16 to 1 compression running on like 115 octane, you know, race gas. Like just yes. the crispest, oh. cleanest sound out of an engine possible. Talk dirty. And then, <laughs> and then put it on, you know, put it on nine grand in the burnout box and shift it oh. high gear. It's sexual, Ravi. You know, yeah. I get it, man. <sighs> and then the, like, so the really crazy thing is, like, before the rev limiter, like, if you missed the shift point by just a just a hair of a second, you got to put 16 valve springs in it because it would kill all the springs. <laughs> like, if it turned, like, 100 RPM too many, it was destroying the valve train in the car. Yeah, I believe that. And then there's a, there's a story to again, go off on another stupid drag racing nerd story. Um, so Ilmore that builds like formula one engines in England was connected with Daimler, which owned Chrysler at one point. So Chrysler is running a pro stock program. They go to Ilmore and they say, all right, you know, this is, this is the combination. Like we want to see if you guys can optimize this thing. So the guys from Ilmore, they tell them what they're doing with this big giant push rod engine. And the Ilmore guys are like, no, you're not. There's no possible way you're doing that. Like there's no way that you're making springs work or valid, like push rods or anything like that. So Ilmore goes through and builds them. What is supposedly this optimized setup for this car, you know, for this engine, they put it on the dyno. It makes no power. It's just like, it's like 20 horsepower down, 20 horsepower down. They go out and it just does not run at all. And they put all of the stuff in there that they just threw iterations and dyno tuning over the years. And it was right back where it was. It was like, so these formula one guys were like, you can't do that. And they were like, well, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Wild. So there's there's a picture, and I, I think in what I sent you that they were they had the valve covers off running the valves yep. on one, and it has the craziest big machined steel, angry looking rocker arms on it I've ever seen in my life, oh, and yeah. they're just <laughs> like there's no there's no meat there in any place that it doesn't need to be, but like there's so much force there that it it needs this big like spine 
coming over the top of it to make it rigid, but then keep it as light as possible too. And it's yeah, just, it's, yeah, it's like a nice fin. Yeah. And there's like just a little bit of a foot for the roller on the valve side and a little bit of a foot for the, the, uh, push rod on the other side. And just like those, those engines are so cool. It's, and it's so good. All of the, all of the development work is in the intake on them mostly. So you can, you can look at them in the pits and they've all just got sheet metal covers around the intake. So you can't tell anything about what they're doing on the intakes, but that's, that's where all the money is in the development work on those. So hmm. interesting, but yep. Super cool. Spent a, a significant portion of my life following it pretty close and I haven't followed it as close lately, but it's still really cool to just go and, and check it out at the track. So. Door slammers will always be, my favorite thing. I'll always love them more than funny cars or, or any kind of dragster. And like them or Pro Mod, those are like the pinnacle of door slammer cars. Yeah. And, you know, my dad was like obsessed with Warren Johnson and, and like his whole program when I was growing up, like through the 90s and early 2000s. And like the things they used to do with those engines and, and the, the stuff that has come out of those cars is just because that was kind of like the last wild, wild west of engine building yep. uh, for a long time. You you were really relatively open to do whatever you wanted. And obviously there were, you know, they kind of all settled in on a, the similar area, but they were all different in some way. Well, yeah, and, and, and at that time, whenever, you know, Watching it whenever I was growing up, you know, it was it was Warren and his son Kurt, and then there was these these guys all built their own engines and the cars, and you know, ran the whole program themselves. And now, Pro Stock is primarily it's it's really close racing, it's really cool competition, but it's you know, it, it's a couple of chassis builders and a couple of engine builders. So you go you go buy your you go buy your car from Rick Jones or whoever, and then you go get set up with an engine program with a lead or KB and you have your package and you just go race it. And it's, it's not the, the builder, builder tuner engine builder class that it once was like WJ still builds engines. He builds the stuff for the Lysingers that run the autocross Yeah, the stuff that, you know, Josh, Josh's shop helps to. Yeah. Like he's, he is way up on my, my list of cool of heroes cool badass dudes you know yeah but, yeah back in my day yep. yeah yeah back in the good old days jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> who would have thought yep yep I've, I've i've known i was getting there for a while so <laughs> that's fair that's fair so well i'm glad you got that experience i think it's cool that you that like you're taking the opportunity that this podcast presents to run around and do all these things. So, yep. uh, yeah, get, getting started in it by going to formula drift, just kind of out of nowhere. That was the, like that turned on a light bulb of like, Hmm, I want So, the, so the next thing I want to do is, uh, W, uh, the FIA WEC series is oh. coming to Dakota next year. So, Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely do that. I got I got on their website and it's like the the first listing is something about like having corporate insurance and something else. I'm like, we'll figure out a way. It's fine. you might need to you it's might need fine. to apply for two of those. Yeah. You might need a, a camera assistant. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, that'd be awesome. I might have to do that. That would be... Watching an LMP1 car at Coda would be life-changing. Yeah, we... For sure. We went in 20, like 2013, 2014. They ran two years that it was it was IMSA and WC. And one of the years, the IMSA race was like from like 10 until 1230. And then WC started at like two and ran an eight hour race into 10 o'clock at night and watching that it was one of the last years of Audi running. And so it was like Audi, Toyota, and then a couple of others, but like oh, watching gosh. the diesel Audis, yep. Porsche might've been there at that time too. Watching the diesel Audis through like the carousel in the dark at Coda and the car just goes by and you just hear air and tires moaning and then, like, just the slightest hint of exhaust after it goes by, it was just the spookiest thing. Like, those cars were spaceships. It was so fun. That would be so cool to see those go through the, like, through the stadium section of the carousel and watch them come down the S's. Oh, Ravi. I get it. Man, that would be so good. So I need to look. I don't, I, I think the race will just be in the afternoon. I don't know that they've, for, for whatever reason, they've run there a couple of times since then, and they've, they've never run the race into the night again. And that that's just disappointing to me. Like I just I want to see those cars run through sunset and into the into the into the nighttime hours. Oh, it should be man. against the law not to run at least some dark hours in an endurance race. Yep, agreed for sure. Whether you start or end in the dark is not not relevant. Just not as, long relevant, as, as long as it happens. But as long as it happens. You should either be racing into or away from the sun at some point in time and then in the darkness. Yep. Yeah. Some, something about running in running past sundown was just the oh man, it was cool. Yep. Yeah. That's it's <laughs> for sure. That's cool. Yeah. Now we look forward to helping you get into WEC media. Hell yeah. <laughs> At least someone's pushing yep. it. Yeah. Gotta, seeing what we can do. I like it. I like it a lot. Yep. Gotta do gotta do some more investigating on that one, but just well, it's one of those things where you just you just ask. You get you'd be shocked at how far you can get if you just ask. Like, yeah. is it okay if I do this? And I was like, Well, like I guess. Okay, I'm gonna do this. I mean, at this point you have a pretty a decent resume. Good, yeah, you have a pretty good portfolio of professional level racing. Yeah, so and and like across a pretty broad spectrum from like dirt flat track motorcycles yep. to fucking drift cars. <laughs> yeah, so having having a couple of national sanctioning bodies on the 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 resume is is helpful, I'm sure, in the perception of you know yeah. not just being a guy. You're not a guy, you're professional. Do you have professional. a NASCAR track? Yeah, TMS. Yeah, you Texas. have a NASCAR track there. You should yeah, do a NASCAR the, event. Yeah, the uh, oh, that's where uh, the drifting the flat, was, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, FDU was FDU was in the yeah FDU was in the main track, and then uh, the flat track AMA flat track was at the dirt track that's outside the the big track. Oh, okay. Huh. So, yeah. You should do a NASCAR event. Yeah, I've never checked into that. If you come to Iowa, you can do an IndyCar event or a NASCAR event. Yep. We yeah we, we don't NASCAR have again. we've always had an IndyCar race and they dropped it off the calendar this year. We got two, so we can use one Sucks of ours. Suck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we can't afford a, to go, so we don't go. 
That's I've been to the. That's because they turned it into a music festival. It's a concert. Probably. It's a concert of the race test. Yeah. I know. You don't want to go see Luke Bryan. No, and I don't want to spend four hundred dollars <laughs> to see Carrie Underwood either. No. Yeah the the last time we went to IndyCar here, the we got tickets through something and they had pit passes with them, and I was so glad that they had pit passes because walking through the garages was by far the highlight of the night. The race started. Everybody settled in single file. There was a random caution in the middle that wasn't for anything. There was like two laps of actual racing and then everybody settled in single file and the race was done in like an hour and 40 minutes. It's like, okay, then I guess we'll go home now. There's only one circle track indie race worth watching. Yeah, and it happens in May. Yeah. Yeah, it happens in May. I don't disagree with that. So... Yeah, it'd be cool to watch them at like Meadow or Barber. Yep, I think Barber that would piece. be crazy too. Do they run at Coda? They did once, and I don't think either side was very happy with how it went. So, oh, that's too bad. Yep, they were like they had like track limits issues. They were doing the NASCAR line off of nineteen. It was such a joke, and. It just it didn't draw that well, and yeah, I don't I don't think anybody was very were they happy mad with about the how overall slower they product than, of it. So were they mad about how much slower they are than Formula One cars? I don't think anybody expected them to not be like those cars are like they're tanks compared to a form to an F one car. Yeah, I mean, that's they, fair. They make decent power, but they're just they're big and heavy. Yeah, so now they don't have nearly as much arrow. No, yeah, they don't make anywhere you know anywhere near the amount of downforce i don't think they so. have as much tire either no not at all i think they have yeah. smaller tires yeah they're way smaller yeah like profile like section yeah, yeah there's yeah there's skinnyard yeah. for sure huh. yeah, and you're just you're you're talking about a car that gets uh you know a hundred million dollars put into development of it in a season and that car pro, is like or an entire years. series that gets a hundred million dollars put into yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> IndyCar, IndyCar built a car to, to have a, a, a shelf life and a consumables cost. And, and it's spec, it has basically worked a spec well for series. They've, yeah. Which in that situation makes sense. Right. I have no problem with it, right. but yeah. So, yep. Well, I think that's it. I think, I think so. that's, we done did it. We did a podcast, podcast after our fall break, <laughs> as opposed to the summer break. We had we a summer. Just, we had we a, just yeah. rolled off our summer break and into our fall break. <laughs> yeah, it's it fine. Ha- it happens. Eventually, we'll just take a break. Yeah. And then yeah, then it'll just be and we'll just be done. Yeah, we won't tell anybody. Sorry. It'll just be over. <laughs> well, that's because we won't plan it. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Plan, yeah, we don't plan our breaks. It just yeah. It's like, yeah, we're gonna do a podcast this week, and then shit happens because kids don't change anything. It was the internet, up. Robbie. Two, two of the oh, two of the weeks it was, or only one of the weeks was the internet. We actually got it done today, right? But we didn't. Uh, assuming this saves, but we missed a. Sh- I mean, we had, we did a show. Me. <laughs> I mean, I just sucks see you tomorrow. Sleep. I guess <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm going to the zoo. Damn it! I got fish to see. Oh god! You just you just thought my facts were boring today. Wait till tomorrow. I told. Got a whole other day to prep. I told Katie I'm bringing my collapsible pole into the zoo. I don't care if it gets me kicked out for life. I'm catching. I'm getting an arapaima on a hook. <laughs> you should catch a hippo if you do it. <laughs> this is better than a slap bet. Think, think Dude, of. Dude, there's think no. Of, think of something. Like even so. I mean, just like 
logistics aside, as soon as a fish that size would latch onto literally anything I own, uh-huh. it would snap it like a twig. Yep. That's why Katie has to videotape this. And then I would promptly be marched to the edge of their property and told never to come back. Oh, no. You'd be roughed up on the way out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I might get the cops called on me. And PETA. You just just need to to be optimistic. I don't think they're a protected species. I don't think so. So I might not get like the FBI put on me. Yeah. You might not make it on a watch list. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> how funny would that be to just roll up with my five foot collapsible fishing pole <laughs> just like drop it on their head uh, be the worst hey i sent I you an article of a guy that caught a 340 pound alligator gar with six pound lines oh so god you gotta be you just gotta be optimistic and patient <laughs> turns out the fishing records are like drag racing records yeah there's one for everything well no there's like uh there's records for different sizes of line yeah of course Six six pound line is the is the two seventy five radial of the yeah. drag racer or of the fishing world. It's, yeah, it's the X two seventy five of the fishing world for sure. <laughs> so silly. Did have you seen my new shirt? I wore that already. I caught fish wearing that shirt. So Petrobox came out with this bitch and new shirt. It's so good. This Robbie. was in la- this was in last month's uh, box. It's a dramatic change in direction that I appreciate I'm all, very. much. I'm all in on this. So it's Hell it's, it's yeah. a black shirt. So obviously he's got a Petrobox shirt on. It's too. Di- it's different than the vintage Petrobox shirt. Which See, I'm I really wearing. like that I really like the vintage uh, logo Petrobox shirts too. My personal favorite was the Champion Spark Plug one, but uh, the one that Dusty has is great as well yeah that one's good i like this one this one looks like a metal bands t-shirt yeah, it's got a bunch of skulls and fire yep and it's it got looks t- like in it looks like instead of petrol box it should say like cattle decapitation or yeah. something like yeah, that like cradle of filth or, or cannibal corpse job for a cowboy job for a cowboy <laughs> metal for the sake of metal fuck yeah pig squeals um <laughs> but yeah then then in metal in metal font like across the top it says petro box and it's Ooh, fucking dope i love it yeah so this showed up in the petro box that showed up the other day um yeah. and if you didn't get one you really fucked up so my petrobox.com use code ttp15 you can get 15 percent off that box and not miss out on the next one see how good i am at this john's been killing it the last couple of ones they've have been, been really excellent good. Excellent. Yeah, the last couple of t-shirt designs have been really good. Yep, and the boxes are good because like all this like uh, like cleaning products and all sorts of stuff. Oh, you got a different sticker than I did. I did. I've always gotten different stickers than you. I assume it's because he hates me and he gives you the better stickers. I got a McLaren F1 this, yeah, this see? month. See? I, I got a Toyota Corolla. And we got different pins. Yep. My pin matched my sticker, though. Oh, if he sent if he sent you a Toyota, he he likes you better. That's fair. Yeah, because he loves Toyotas. <laughs> and I got an Impact ten millimeter socket, so that's nice. I got a Dodge Challenger pin, but he didn't leave the yellow splitter guards on it, and it makes me sad. <laughs> it would have been <laughs> a great been great that opportunity would've... to be a, to have a joke. That would have been better. So. Yeah, so. no, he's he's they're on their game with the with the new shirts. I yeah, like, I, I like, like the it. new shirts. The last couple have been really, really good. Yep. So, Christmas that. is coming. I was just going to say, it's about that time of year. Yeah, buddy. Plan ahead. Yeah, tell your mom, your dad, your significant others, your grandma, your, your aunt, whatever. Piece, whatever. Just, yeah. get you, just get you a couple months of petrol box. Bam. Taken care of. Yep. Tell that ungrateful race car of yours to finally do something for you for a change. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> so... 
Let's shut it down, Robbie. We'll catch everybody next week for uh, sure. Next week. <laughs>